Welcome to the Bible Talks with Josh and Heather. This is that show on iTunes that discusses deep theology in a simple way. Now, this is not just on iTunes, right? <gasps> oh, and this is Potomatic. Potomatic, but also it's on KVXL Experience <gasps> oh, Liberty yes. Radio. Oh. Boom, boom, boom. I don't think that's um, I don't think that's their call sign. I think it should be now. I think it's Experience welcome, Liberty Radio. KVXL. Dun dun dun. That sounds like something from CBS or like <laughs> years and years. How old are you? <laughs> I'm very old. We, we always, just butchered our opening. Who well, are we? Who uh, are you, sir? <laughs> we always like to begin with a little fun. So, Heather. This is Josh, and I'm Heather. <laughs> let's get started. So, this is episode 35. Today, we thought Whoa. we could... That's amazing. These yeah. podcasts are almost as old as you are. Like We almost have as many as you have I'm years 30, of life. I'm 38 years old. Yeah, we're getting close. That's right. We and need to have a birthday cake. How old like are you? 39. How old are you? I am 28. <laughs> how old am I? <laughs> if you're 28 and I'm 38, and we have <laughs> a 15-year-old son... man. Yeah. Yeah, that's just... That just this is not, this is not uh, good. My children know... They know that Mama deducts ten years from her age, so. All right, twenty-eight-year-old, uh, yeah, millennial. You let's, know that's uh, right. Let's get started. We have a. Li- we yeah, always start I with am. a little fun. <laughs> this is episode number thirty-five, and today we're talking about the seriousness of sin. It sounds like we're in the great spirit for that. <laughs> oh my goodness! I forgot that's what we're starting with. But we're starting with fun, and sin is not fun. Sin is not Satan fun. Satan makes it seem fun. Let's make it very clear, people. We do not believe sin is fun. Yeah, but Heather is. I'm again it. <laughs> okay, Heather, what's your uh, what's your starting out All right, the starting question is, what skill do you hope to learn in the next two years? This is like uh, your vision board, your New Year's skill? resolution. What, what I'd like to learn. Where's your goals, Josh? What? Where's your heart? I would like to learn, let's see, it, a skill that I would like to learn in the next two years. I would like to learn how to speak in Portuguese. I hate it when you mock my questions. No, like, y- why are you mocking my answer? I, I've because been nervous I know. about opening up to you about Portuguese. <laughs> no, listen, I want the, to make a commitment before our audience Portuguese here. Portuguese culture. Right now that I'm going to ensure that you learn Portuguese. I'm going to help you and assist you. It's not going to happen. I'm going to serve The moment we walk menus, out of this room, I'm you'll forget. <laughs> Portuguese meals. I am going to <laughs> write menus in Portuguese. Uh, I'm going to download apps on your phone and your computer and... Sir, I will help you learn. I'm going to Christmas. You expect to get a Portuguese book dictionary? I would like to Portuguese okay. literature. What skill? It's going to be fun. What What skill would I would like yeah, to seriously, learn? Yeah, seriously, you in do the learn things, and you buy certain books, and you you grow. Uh, what What do you want to grow in? I would like to preach an entire sermon without any notes. Really, is that something you hope to do in the next two years? Sure, why not? Well, let's put it out I there right think, now. I uh, listen. I'm going to say this. No I notes. Think They'll call me no note a couple Josh. There's a couple That's, that you... Nobody will call me pastor anymore. They'll just be like, oh, here comes the old no-note Josh. Why do they call hilarious. him that? Because one time he preached with no notes. So I'm trying not to speak over you. Okay, go ahead. <laughs> so I am waiting glad. for my break. As we there it is. Advised. The break is right now. Okay. So there are a couple of sermons that you have preached enough that I think you could yeah. do that. Yeah, I think so. I think I could preach a couple of your sermons with You know, no I feel like notes. when you say that, you're mocking me because I'm you've heard mocking. some of my sermons too, mu- too many times. I love your sermons. That's why I listen to them What is the skill that you... And over and over. 
But well, you're just, you're yeah. in quite a mood this morning. I <laughs> Okay, what's the skill that you would like to learn? Oh, in there the are so years? many. I know. And you know I'm not joking. I know. Okay, just pick so one. I'm going to share three that I'm considering. There's only one on my prayer list because it's something that started years ago and yeah. I pray the Lord will finish it. But I don't have plans. Like I've done small things, but nothing's really taken over to help it. And that's learned Spanish. I had Spanish one, Spanish two, and then in college, one semester of Spanish. So you would like to learn Spanish. I am still no bueno. Excuse me? I <laughs> I am no bueno at Espanol. Huh? What? <laughs> I'm okay, sorry. So I, only speak, I only speak Portuguese. Oh. Oh. Yeah. Say a little for me. <clears throat> uh, um. Uh, no habla espan <laughs> Portuguese. <laughs> wow, you you've learned a great deal already. Well, Hats I think I, all you. I can say is sombreros I, off to you, mi amigo. <laughs> excuse me. <laughs> Sorry, all right, what's the other one that you want to do? Okay, um, one that I seriously am considering, and I've not told you this is true. Sometimes you may think we're faking stuff here, like you know, acting like it's impromptu. This is actually completely impromptu. Of course it's impromptu. I People can tell that we have no idea what we're doing <laughs> when we walk into the studio. You think this? You think we're tricking everybody? I feel like it's Look so professional. Look how prepared they are. Look how prepped they are to have these conversations. They staged that. <laughs> okay, so I've thought about for next year actually signing up and doing a class that's like self-defense-y, like that's fighting. Oh, like, on. I don't want to learn discipline. I want to learn how to kill somebody. <sighs> like, you know, rip their rip their head off. <laughs> fighting. Heather. So I've thought Why about that. Why would you want to do that? I thought you were a Christian. I, I know am. you're talking about violence. And I am, but I also may need to be the sword of the Lord someday <laughs> in someone's life. You know, I like the it. You could protect God's me. God's vengeance. That's what I'll have on my T-shirt. I am the... You are a tough girl. You're, you're, uh, so you're that's tough one I've thought about. Girl. But then on the flip side of that, I've also thought about maybe next year taking some kind of like dance lesson, like maybe even with one of the girls. Yeah, I wish sure. I could find. They have it back in the South where right. mother daughters can take classes. So it's adults and kids. Yeah. You can learn clogging or whatever. I don't know that one, clogging. But my, my sister-in-law and niece did that when they were younger, and I thought that was So cool. you want to be a clogger. That's cool. No, I would like to learn maybe tap. Tap or yeah, something. Yeah. So okay, know. let me get this straight. You want not ballet. In the next two years, you want to become a ballet. You want to become a dancer <laughs> who speaks Spanish, <laughs> and uh, who uh, and who what was the other thing? Rips people's heads. And who off. rips people's heads off? That's really great. Good. Glad we got that out of the way. <laughs> it's there like it is. I now if you learn to speak Portuguese, you could be a flamenco dancer in. With I think that's Spain. Oh, I have no idea. Where do they speak Portuguese? They speak I it in, so in, unlearned. in the city of in the city oh, of Portugal Portuguese. I actually want to go oh, to Portugal, Portugal someday, so if you learn that, that will serve me well. Well, in Spain, they really do take flamenco dancing extremely seriously. And Christians, we are to take sin seriously. <laughs> And I think to help you in your goal, as I promised I would. That's my Josh, transition right there. Isn't is that good? I've been working on it. how you to say sin seriously in Portuguese. Pecado. Pecado. <laughs> did, what did you just say? Pecado. Pecado. That's, that's sin in, in, Portuguese. in Portuguese. I told you I would help you. Oh. You didn't believe me. Welcome to your new life. Well, <laughs> this is going to be fun. People pray for me. Uh, you know, we do, though, live in a day and age where um, it seems that uh, people can't have fun. And that's why we have this podcast. We just have a little bit of fun. Right. But at the same time, we live in a day and age where Christians, um, 
they can't tell the line between just having a good time and having a good laugh and understanding what sin is. So that's what today's episode is all about. Um, sometimes we think that uh, that everything that God wants us to do is serious and everything God wants us to do is no fun and God has this kind of, is kind of this big downer and the reality is he wants us to have a joyful and happy life. Yes, and I think that's one of the reasons that it's important that you learn to have fun. I think that's I think sometimes people fall into sin or children of Christians walk away from God because their families have not enjoyed the abundant life that Christ has intended. Yeah. They don't ever laugh. They don't have fun. Yeah. And it's miserable. And so then Satan deceives them and says, here's what's fun. Right. Because they've not experienced the true fun of joining the and Lord and And then what happens? They, and, they step into yeah. sin. And sin absolutely destroys their life. And so they have not a good relationship with their spouse. They have no good relationship with their parents, with their children. They're miserable at work, and they're caught into all sorts of traps of sin. So today, we really do want to talk about the serious nature of sin and how terrible it really is and how man's perspective has to change on this and understand sin from God's perspective. Um, Romans chapter 7 comes to mind, but sin, that it may appear sin, worketh death in me by that which is good, that sin by commandment might become exceeding sinful. Here we see the depth of what sin is. So we begin with this idea that <clears throat> in God's sight, sin is very serious. Now, why is that important? Just just on Sunday, I had, had someone come to me after the ser- service, and I preached uh, rather strongly against sin, and um, one, a few specific sins, and somebody came with genuine concern in their eyes and and she said to me quite literally this she said but what if you don't want to stop and you enjoy it oh wow and i said well <laughs> i said then you're in disobedience to god and she mm-hmm. was talking about a specific um uh, lifestyle that she was involved with and i said being in disobedience to god is a terrible thing she said yes but i enjoyed i said here's the reality though you may enjoy the pleasure of sin right now there are dire consequences that are coming to you because you are rebelling against God and staying in your sin. Um, and uh, the the good thing is she took it well. She, you could tell she was pondering it. And she it. was honest. That's a yeah. big step to just be that honest. Yeah, yeah. For so. those who are not in Las Vegas listening to this, the wonderful thing about Las Vegans is they are rather uh, honest with you. Mm-hmm. They will tell you what they're thinking about sin and about life and about God. And uh, and so she walked away, not having promised never to uh, continue to sin, but uh, at least she understood a little bit of the seriousness of sin. Why why is sin so serious, Heather? Well, first of all, it was, I mean, we have to realize it was so serious because it was serious enough to take Jesus to the cross. Yeah. It was serious enough to require his death. So that alone should keep me as, as I keep the gospel in mind, as I keep his death on the cross and what he suffered for me to be thinking about that, that's got to be something that brings me back to the the reality that what I may want to brush off in my life is some little nothing. It's a big deal. Sin is a transgression of God's law. God's law is given to us for our good. We often forget that. Um, He's the creator. He knows what's going to bring us consistent joy and happiness. So I tell people a lot of times we look at the Bible, especially those who aren't believers or even some who are new believers, look at it as, I can't do this, I can't do this. And we don't see it's God directing you the path of what you can do, which we're going to talk about a little bit later, I know. But I think that's important to remember even as we start this conversation. So um, God has given us his law. And First John 3, 4 says, Whosoever committeth sin transgresseth, that's a hard word to say, it's like a tongue twister, but you cross 
you're crossing the boundary lines. Also, the law. For sin is a transgression of the law. To understand that God has some moral laws in life <clears throat> and that, he's, that he loves us enough to actually put those on paper and to tell us, look, this is what you are not supposed to do. It's a big deal to look as, as, as the created being to the creator and say, mm. I don't care what your law is. I don't care what your rules are. Mm. I'm going to do what I want to do. And this is one of the reasons we as human beings have, have so fallen from God's grace is because we think that we could look to him and say, who are you yeah. to tell us what to do? Oh, so good. You are the, he's the creator. We're the created. Um, as one of the prophets yeah. once stated, um, can the lump of clay <laughs> say to the, the one who created it, why did you make me this way? Um, the answer is, I'm God, and my rules are the rules that I've set in place. Yeah, and there may be so, times we don't understand that. If you're a young person listening to this podcast, I know we have a few younger listeners, and um, just remember that there are times that you may not understand. There's times even as a counselor that I just want to make it easy, what I see, what seems like easy, and say, ah, oh, I know this is hard. Just don't worry about it. Continue in your sin. Um, and I know better, though, because I know that even when we don't understand and it doesn't make sense to us, we just have to realize we have limited understanding and we have to have faith and trust that our creator God knows all. It goes back to what you believe in God. When we transgress in sin, we are believing that God is not good and that he does not want our best and he does not know what is best. So what is sin? Every time we cross a line that God has told us not to cross, every time we break one of the laws of God, we've transgressed the law and therefore we are in sin. That's mm -hmm. what sin is. So sin is serious not just because sin is a transgression of the law. Sin is serious because sin is coming short of God's perfect standard. Mm. Here's the thing that God expects. God is like the teacher in the school who doesn't just expect everyone to have their own grade level. The teacher expects 100% on every quiz, every test, every single paper. Kind of like Nick Saban. Kind of like Nick Saban. Uh, I don't... <laughs> <laughs> I don't know if the Nick Saban and God comparison is. I didn't say that. Well, I, I, I just think said, you kind of like, did. You compared a teacher. I think you kind of said God is like Nick Saban. To God, saying what they expect. I'm just saying oh, Nick Saban has high well, the, expectations. The point is seen. this it's not simply that God has high expectations, God has an expectation of 100% perfection. You say, well, God's got to be reasonable. Like the Saban. answer is God. <laughs> wow. <laughs> Wow. For those who are not familiar, Nick Saban is the coach of the Alabama football team. Roll and, and Heather is a is a very serious fan and highly values to the point of idolatry. I mean oh my hi, goodness, I I'm no. just I'm just just joking. But I do think it's a good comparison. What you're saying is you're talking about the fact that we want to compare against other people. Right. And our goodness and say, I'm better than that person, I'm not as bad as that person. And to be get into heaven and to meet God's standard, we have to be perfect. Well, this is the problem. So you don't compare there, against other teams. There you are humans against the perfection. No, I get the point. <laughs> no, I get the point. Here is here is God. God says, "Do you want to get to heaven? Do you want to please me? Fantastic! You can please me by one hundred percent of the time, doing one hundred percent right. And if you do that, then you can be saved." And, the, and somebody might say, well, God ought to lower his standards. The answer is he's God. He can have any standard he wants. And so sin is coming short of God's standard. In fact, the Bible says that in Romans chapter 3, for all have sinned and come short of God's glory or the glory of God or God's perfect standard. And so this is incredibly important to understand. So this is why sin is so serious. Yeah, sin is also all sin is wicked in God's sight. 
um, everything, even the things that we consider little things, they're all measurably evil. <laughs> we try to categorize our sins, right? Well, that's the real wicked stuff, and that's the real sins of the world. Well, we do this, don't we? Especially in sins that maybe the Christian community may uh, pretend they don't struggle with or say they don't struggle oh, yeah. with. And so we say, oh, look at the how that's an abomination. Well, yeah, the Bible says that uh, uh, homosexuality may be an abomination, but it also says that a lying tongue is an abomination. Oh, that's good. Um, and so according to the Scripture, all sin— is equally offensive to God, even though it may not be equally offensive to you. That's right. Pride is a big one that comes up. That's one that we are all guilty of, so guilty of. It's so threaded It's true, especially Alabama fans. Oh, come on. You're, I you're brought it back. You're an Alabama fan, too. That's so true, what but I just— stay in there? I, I, he's it's, converted people. He's finally there. He gets oh, into these true. games. I am a big, big Alabama fan at this he point. He lost I, his mind. Yeah, recently on, in a game yeah, that we Saturday. listened to. No, all right. Yep. In reality, though, going <laughs> what were we back, saying? Yeah. we were talking about the seriousness of sin, oh, yeah. and we and keep pride. talking about talking Alabama about, football. Like that's a big one that comes up, and that we just brush aside, or we we don't even recognize it, and yet when the Lord brings it into um, light, yeah. Oh man, that's a sin that's serious that takes glory away from Him, takes our perspective from Him. Yeah. Here's just mm. a, here's a few examples. The Bible says in Acts chapter five, God kills. Ananias and Sapphira for lying. In Second Samuel chapter six, God kills Uzzah for disobedience to the law concerning the touching of the Ark of the Covenant. In First Chronicles chapter twenty-one, God kills seventy thousand men because of David's sin in numbering the people. Now, some of you are like, "Well, defend God. Tell us why God would do something." That's not what this part of the podcast is about. Hmm. This is not about defending why God does something. This is to tell you that God views sin as serious. Now, if hmm. you were God then you can view sin any way you want. The problem is you're not God. So now we have to view him. A study of theology is a study of who God is and what he thinks. And we're saying that God views sin as a big, big deal. And it's so big that all sin comes with a terrible price. Yeah. The Bible says in Romans 6, 23, the wages of sin, wages is what we get for what we do. The wages, what we earn to ourselves It's death, spiritual death, separation from God. Yeah, and the Bible goes on in Revelation 20 to say that death and hell are cast into the lake of fire. This is the second death. Whoever is not found written in the book of life is cast into the lake of fire. So here these two passages teach us that sin is so serious that if it is attached to the human soul, once they die, they will be dragged to eternal damnation in a place called hell. Mm-hmm. But the good news is those verses don't stop there. We're going to talk about that in an upcoming podcast that um, Romans 6.23, there's a clause. There is an escape clause. That's exactly us. right. And what is that escape clause? God has made a way of salvation. But that's mm-hmm. going to be in episode number 37. Uh, but let's keep going on with this concept, okay? As we move forward, we say that sin itself is serious. But what about Christians? There is this idea sometimes that Christians will never sin. And, uh, and wait, I don't. Do you? I, I this is awkward. <laughs> I I have in the past as a Christian a few times. Okay, I'm just kidding. I totally sin. Yeah, y'all know that. You you probably heard me sinning on this podcast. So in this episode, this episode, <laughs> right now, a moment ago when you lied, when I lied, yeah, there so was, we also, I did that on purpose. I, that was a setup so you could hear an example of sin. Yeah, that's right. We planned all that sin. <laughs> it's serious, so I shouldn't be joking about it. In this well, series, there, sin episode. there are two big ditches that we fall into, don't we? On one side of the road, there's this ditch 
that it's called sinless perfection. As a Christian, you can get to the point where you never sin again. Well, the Bible doesn't teach that's true. Christians do sin. But there's another ditch on the other side, and that's the one that so many people do fall into Mm -hmm. in our modern church, and that is, well, since everybody sins, it's not a big deal. Yeah, and I, I see, I thought you were going with a different ditch. There's also... There's a there's a third ditch. <laughs> this is a weird road. What's the third ditch? The third ditch is that there are Christians who continually, even though they've been forgiven, live in a ditch of self-condemnation. They allow Satan to bring them into the ditch of guilt, the guilty ditch, where they are continually um, saying, I'm just so bad, I'm so bad. And, and instead of living in victory of God, you're so good. Our focus is, shouldn't be on us. It should be on our Savior. So as a Christian, when I'm continually, I don't ignore my sin like it's not there and just continue in sin, you know, that grace abound. I also don't, um, you know, just say I have no sin as a liar, like I just exemplified a minute ago. But the other thing is I don't live in sin in the fact that of guilt saying, oh, I'm such a sinner. I just I can't do anything right. I'm just never going to get this. No, I recognize that I can do all things through Christ and that he has forgiven me. So uh, Romans 8 1 says there is therefore now no condemnation to those which are in Jesus Christ. Exactly. So that's an important thing to realize as a Christian. One of the things that Satan will try to do to trap you. All right. You're already saved. But one of the things he'll try to do to get you to stumble is to live with a cloud over your head of how wicked you are. This is incredibly important. Like you said, yes, Christians sin, but we need to understand that the, the sin of the Christian is all forgiven. The mm-hmm. past sin, the yeah. present sin, the future sin. So if we are viewing mm-hmm. ourselves constantly as the sinner that mm-hmm. God is displeased with, you're right. It's an improper v- theological view of ourselves. There's something we talk about in our membership class at church that I think would be so helpful to bring out here. Um, when you trust Christ, let me give you my testimony. I trusted Christ when I was six years old, okay? When I was six, Josh, did God just see my life up to age six? No. No. Um, God's timeline is not our timeline. And that's where sometimes we struggle with this concept of who we are in Christ and being forgiven. When I was six, God in his omniscience saw my entire life, even since I haven't committed yet, y'all, since it'll happen next week or next month. He saw it all. Yes. And so as a six little girl, when I prayed, dear Jesus, I'm a sinner. You love me. You died for me. Please save me. He looked at my whole account. Yes. And he said, pardoned, yeah. forgiven. So as I mess up, I need to realize, yeah, I'll, and we'll talk about this in a minute, but getting things right with God. But I have to recognize it's all been forgiven. He's not surprised by it. He knew it was coming. He knew where I would fail. So wait a second. That means what we're saying is if you are a Christian, you've put your faith in Christ then all of your sin is forgiven, past, present, and future. Mm-hmm. But if you are not a Christian, you are not in Christ, then all of your sin still needs to be paid for. That is, you're still in trouble. Yeah. So what you're saying is the consequences of the sin of a Christian are less than the consequences of, of an unsaved person? Is that true? No. Well, eternal consequences. Okay. Yes. The eternal state of a Christian is they're forgiven and they're allowed to go to heaven. They've been Beautiful. pardoned. Yeah. They're seen by God. Um, not as their sin. Their sin has been put upon Christ at the cross. His, um, in their account, his sinless perfection, his holiness yeah. has been placed in our account as Christians. Yeah. So that's who God sees us as a so just judge. as Christians, as a eternally, father, we are completely forgiven. Right. It's a great point, but it doesn't mean necessarily that there are no serious effects of right. sin uh, in the Christian life if we continue to sin. So, so let's say here's exactly. Bill and Bill says, well, I'm a Christian. I'm going to go to heaven no matter what. Right. And God has forgiven all my sins. So I'm going to do whatever I want. Whoa, Bill, relax, yeah. <laughs> stop. 
because there's still some very serious effects. And this is important. First of all, I would sin. say the most serious one in my mind is the loss of fellowship with God. Yes. If you are new to Christ or maybe you just haven't grown in your walk with God, um, let me encourage you. One of the best things, the best thing about this life is not being married. It is not celebrating holidays. It is not having children. It is having a relationship with our creator, God. Yeah. And there is nothing more exciting than walking every day with him. I mean, just as you're alone, driving, praying, and just talking to him, seeing him work in your life, seeing him make scripture come alive, sharing that with other people, that is what makes life, yeah. life. And, and, and sin causes problems when, in that relationship. Right. Whenever you sin, it really does bring distance between you and God. Now, it's not that God walks away from you. No, the father no. never walked away from the prodigal son, but the prodigal son did walk away from the father. He never stopped being the son of the father. Mm-hmm. But he did have a lot of distance between him and the Father. And this is why so many Christians feel so far away from God. God's never moved. But in reality, our sin has separated us. And the good news is if you're feeling that distance, then just simply go through and and pray for forgiveness for those things. As a child, say, Father, I'm sorry I did that. I know you've forgiven me for eternity. But, Lord, I want you to restore our relationship. Will you please just help me in this area? And what I love about 1 John 1, 9 not only does he forgive us, he's faithful to forgive us, he's faithful to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Yeah. That means he comes alongside as a friend yeah. who says, I'm going to walk through this with you and we're going to deal with this issue. I know it's now, a there struggle is for you. Interesting. There is an interesting aspect, and I don't want to get too far off, but there are two perspectives of 1 John 1, 9. And that is the first perspective is, is uh, as Christians, we say, Con- I confess my sin, Jesus be faithful and just forgive me of my sin, and now I'm back in a relationship with him. So some would say that that is to a Christian a command that you should act upon ask for forgiveness. Others would say it doesn't need to be confessed and ask forgiveness because technically you're already forgiven for all those sins. Mm. It's more of a recognition that I have been forgiven. And the moment that recognition takes place, you know what? God has forgiven me of all these sins. That immediately puts you right back into fellowship uh, with Christ. What are your thoughts on that? I think that's a great way to put it. I hadn't actually heard that. But that's why I think of it's not a big, huge ordeal. When God brings sin to light the holy spirit brings sin to light in my life and i'm like oh yeah totally um that just happened this week i had um a lady come up to me and i was not as patient with her as i should be she needed some love i should have put my arm around with her and i just kind of cut it short i didn't do what i know i needed to do and i just brushed off as a funny thing that night because she's not someone i would naturally connect with and then sure enough the lord was convicting me of it the next morning and i made that right and invested and am trying to to do what I need to there. But when God brought that to light, I didn't, you know, make it a big ordeal and, and make this long prayer and God forgive me. No, cause I knew God already knew I was going to commit that sin here. I forgave it. But I just said, Lord, you are so right. Yeah. God, you're right. I shouldn't have done that. Lord, I'm so sorry. Please help yeah, me. Confession is it's literally simple. saying it's like you do with your husband and wife. Confession is literally saying, God, you're right about this. Yeah. And I'm, I'm wrong. I, one of the aspects of the seriousness of sin for the Christian is not simply just a loss of fellowship or, or a misunderstanding mm-hmm. of our relationship with God, but there's a loss of joy. This, this took place yeah. with David whenever he sinned with Bathsheba. One of the things he says in Psalm 51 is, Restore unto me the joy of my salvation. And I see so many Christians who genuinely have lost the daily joy, and we ask why. And it might be because there is, uh, there is continual sin in the life of a, of, a, of a believer. They are forgiven. They are children of God but they have little joy, and, and that's 
might be partly due to the sin that might be in the individual. I think life. It, you could say a lot of that's connected to the fellowship of God, don't mm. you? Yeah. The loss of joy, a loss of a full appreciation of God's love. Yeah. Again, if he gets, if Satan gets us focused on our sin, we're not focused on God and how great He is. Well, there's also a loss of peace and happiness. Mm-hmm. So if, if you're struggling with a sin and you're you you just say, I'm going to sin and do whatever I want and you're walking away from God, there is a lack of <laughs> peace that happens in the life of an individual. Um, Romans chapter 4 says, Even as David also described uh, the blessedness of man unto whom God imputeth righteousness without work, saying, Blessed are those whose iniquities are forgiven and whose sins are covered. There is a peace that comes to somebody who says, You know what? I am fully walking with the Lord right now. For me, the big two, I told you the first one for me was the loss of fellowship. That's my main motivation in um, eschewing evil. (laughs) But the other one that's a big one for me, the second biggest, is the loss of power in prayer. Mm. 1 Peter 3, 7 talks about sins, keeping sin of our life, that our prayers not be hindered. And I think about it in the parent relationship. Um, God wants to do great things. He wants to teach me more about himself and teach take me to deeper places that are exciting that yeah. I get to do his work and follow him into those areas. But how can that happen? If I'm sinning, yeah. if I am stuck in a sin, as a good father, he's saying, we can't go focus on that. Let's just get this taken care of. Right. I'm, I'm praying for something. He says, I can't answer that because we've got to work on this. Yeah. So it hinders my walk with God. It hinders power in prayer. Um, I heard a story actually in in a book I read, it was so good about a Christian couple and the man was struggling with pornography. His wife didn't know it. He was um, like a Sunday school superintendent. He did all these things and no one knew it was his secret sin. Their son went to the hospital and he was so convicted. The dad was so convicted. He couldn't even pray for his son. He knew because he knew the scripture. He knew. And, and it's sad that he wouldn't just go and get that right. But the wife had to pray and she shares at the time. She just thought he was so moved and so emotional that he couldn't pray but imagine your child being life or death and because you've been holding on to a secret sin and you won't get it right you know i i've got no power here lord and oh sad state to be in so no well there are two other real results of uh, sin in the life of a christian and that is and these to me are just terrible number one it results in frustration Mm -hmm. um the frustration of where life is going and you're thinking to yourself, why am I addicted to this sin? Why can't I get past this anger? Why can't I get past this bitterness? Why can't I get... And, and there, there's turmoil in the life to the point where Christians aren't able to sleep. They're not mm-hmm. able to perform well in their work. They're not able to have good relationships. <sighs> A Christian and sin are not to coexist. That's right. And it wasn't planned to be that way. And so this is one of the major problems. And the final result... It's God's chastisement. It's punishment. There is, even for a Christian, yeah, your eternal punishment has been forgiven. But as a good father, he's going to chasten you, and he's going to bring bad things to get you to do right. It's not eternal chastisement in hell. But the Bible says, whom the Lord loves, he chastens, Mm. and he scourges every son whom he receiveth. Just as a father chastens his child who disobeys, so the heavenly father chastens his children who disobey. We don't hate our children. We've done past uh, past episodes on child (laughs) discipline. We don't hate our children. uh, or We don't discipline our children because we hate them. We discipline our children because we love them. And we know if they continue to act in this way, it's going to be terrible for themselves, Mm -hmm. for people around them, and for for society. So God loves us. And God will bring chastisement into the life of a child. He will discipline his Christian children if they refuse 
to get their sin right with him. Yeah, I've heard it said that no one is more miserable than a child of God who's choosing to continue in sin and walk away from him. Maybe you're listening to this, and I know we've had a lot of fun, but maybe you're listening to this and right now you're thinking to yourself, you know what, I've got some sin in my life and I I just don't feel close to God like I ought to. Why don't you take this moment to pull off to the side of the road or to get down beside your bed or wherever you're at, take a moment in your cubicle and, and pray and say, God, help me to see this sin the way you see this sin and help me to see myself the way you see me. And God, give me victory over this sin, to confess it as sin and to forsake it so that I can walk with you. Maybe if you do that, uh, you will see the power of God once again restored into your life like never before and have that fellowship and relationship stronger than ever. I encourage you to do so. Well, that's episode 35. What are we doing next episode? Next episode is our marriage core values. Ooh, so next episode, episode 36. We'll be sharing those with you. You're not going to want to miss it. Marriage core values. We will see you then.